Well, let's pray together before we're seated. Father, thank you that you are who you are, um, which is so far beyond what we can understand, but Lord, we can rejoice in that and we can experience that. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much for who we are simply as your creation because you choose to love us. Father, we don't deserve it, but we will greatly receive it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning to you. You made it through the rain. People next to you have some rain on their jacket or anything like that. Kind of shake off when you come inside. We're glad that you're here and look forward to our time together. We, um, we are three weeks into uh, our series called Be Ordinary, Life Without the Hype. And um, it doesn't sound like a church series, does it? Be Ordinary. <laughs> I don't think that's like a logo on the Nike, you know, Nike's going to change to be ordinary or something like that, right? And uh, so uh, I, I wanted to share this, this message was a little tougher for me this week to prepare for because the whole, it starts, there's a couple reasons why I'll share as I, as I uh, speak this morning, talk to you, but it starts right with the title because we've had a few weeks to talk about it and Ron gave me this book called Ordinary, which has been helpful for me to kind of process through. But the idea of ordinary is tough for me to deal with. I'm a words guy and so I've struggled with this. I, I get the concept, but, but ordinary just sounds so ordinary, right? And uh, so what helped? First of all, I needed to kind of frame it this way. The the ordinary Christian life is not the ordinary non-Christian life, okay? So there's a distinction here that that, that happens. As a follower of Jesus, we uh, we have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have eternal perspective and love, mercy, power, grace, all these wonderful gifts from God that are far from from ordinary in terms of from the world's perspective or in truth when we think of, of ordinary. So just basis of identity, it's not ordinary, okay? So e- even ordinary day-to-day life is not ordinary in Jesus Christ. So, so that was helpful for me, all these wonderful things that are there. Now, Ron's shared in the last couple of weeks that this ordinary concept also isn't a call to mediocrity, or, or, and it's not boredom, um, even though it may sound kind of me- mediocre to my ear, because I've had a tough time switching gears, you know. Ordinary can have such negative connotations, at least to me, because of how we use it in our culture. So, um, okay, it's not boredom, it's not mediocre, but be ordinary still. I just, that's not really, <laughs> you know, do what in that process? I, uh, substituting some other words, again, Ron introduced these. It's been helpful for me when I start thinking about words like normal. Oh, okay, regular, day-to-day, everyday, usual, those sorts of things when applied to my relationship with Jesus. Now, those aren't glamorous words. Those are not like, oh, man, I want to aspire to that. But, but I can get a handle on them as a little better as positive words for me than ordinary. So here's the overall idea that helped me. Now, some of you may say, John, I got this down. You know, I'm sorry you're struggling with it, but I'm right there. Others of you may be right where I am or where I was on this. Here's an overall idea. In our world, we often pursue the sensation the extraordinary superlative, these mountaintop experiences in our lives, this is in our families, our spirituality, almost everything we do. But as much fun as they can be, and they often are, you know, at least in, in small doses, they're just not sustainable. 
we, we can't always do that. We're always looking for that next big thing that'll kind of pull us along. That, that mountaintop experience is a huge rush of adrenaline. It's a big moment, and which can be cool. I, I started reflecting. I'm an Old Testament guy. I don't know if you're much into the Old Testament, but I, I, my mind went right to this prophet Elijah, and it's in the book of First Kings, and I won't tell you the whole story, but bottom line, he gets in this um, confrontation with 450 prophets of Baal, this false god Baal. King Ahab is there. You may have heard of Jezebel, Queen Jezebel. King Ahab is there. And he gets in this confrontation. Bottom line, long story short, calls down fire from heaven and just totally, and, and uh, not only defeats these 450 prophets of Baal, but then he ends up killing them, slaying them in the process. And this is glorious miracle moment here in the Old Testament where you're like, yay, God, you are God. You know, it's this unbelievable, extraordinary event. And then right after this, Elijah runs away from evil King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And, and, and after this huge moment of yes, it turns into literally he, he runs away and collapses into a depressed stupor, literally for weeks, to kind of just recover and deal with, you know, that was this great moment, but you know what? I don't think I can do that every day, <laughs> you know? It's not sustainable. That moment was a true mountaintop high, but afterwards, Elijah crashed, and it took some major time and work and discussion with the Lord to kind of pull him out of it. Now, I think we seem to always be looking for the latest amazing with our spirituality, um, amazing spiritual technique that will help us see God in better than HD color and vividness, right? And we want to hear God in the very latest Dolby THX sound. I got to get there. I mean, what, what I have here is good, but there's got to be something out. I'm looking for what that, what that next best thing is. We're looking for worship experiences that knock our socks off, actual experiences, and, and we yearn to find ways to make our perceptions of God bigger, you know, more sensational, well, the truth is it's easier living on the mountaintop in those moments. It's easier doing that, but it's not real life. It's not sustainable, and it's not what God calls us to in, in our day-in and day-out lives. Not that those things are bad, but if that's what we're shooting for, first of all, we often aren't shooting for God. We're shooting for the experience. And secondly, one experience after the other, just it, it can't live up to the hype, and we're one hype after the next. Now, we're taking our, our 11th team to Uganda here in January coming up. We have a team of 17 heading out. I'm excited about that. And, um, and we have more than usual. We have, we like to, those of us that have been before that are veterans, we like to call them newbies. <laughs> First timers going. We have a higher percentage of newbies going. We're really excited about that. And they're excited. You know, a bit afraid, apprehensive, but excited. And, and um, Going to Africa on this mission is exciting, it's stretching, it's even life-changing. Absolutely can be that. But I want to say this, when we're there, it's usually easy to live above and beyond. It's usually easy to live spiritually and to live selflessly, to live sacrificially. It's, it's often easy that way, and, and then we come home. And God calls us back to normal life, to everyday life, to the regular routine of walking with Jesus. And it's usually far tougher than being in Africa, believe it or not. Now, some of you are going like, I would never, I could never go to Africa. I'm just speaking from my experience. I've been seven times now. And with teams each time coming back, it's actually easier doing that mountaintop experience because God is so present. We're serving him right now. And you come back to day-to-day -day life, and it's not quite so easy to see that I'm serving God in the same way when I'm around my neighbors, my workmates, my family, my, my friends, my not-so-friends right? What a great experience when I'm there. Man, this is hard coming back. That's why I say it's easier up there, but that's not real life for most of us. 
the ordinary that we're talking about here is obedience to Jesus. It's the regular, the normalcy of what does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, what, is that, what does that mean? Normal would be reading your Bible every day or most days. And it's not sensational. It's, it's ordinary. But it's what sinks your roots deep into God's soil. It's, it's praying every day, simply expressing your heart to God. It's, it's ordinary relationship building. And there's nothing real glamorous and sexy about that, frankly. It's, it's what ordinary followers of Jesus get to do. Loving your spouse, loving your kids in the day in and day out routine of life, that's ordinary. That's the call, the normal, regular call of life. And it isn't boring. It's a good thing. I'm convinced, so I know it to be true. My Hannah had her 11th birthday yesterday. It's easy to throw your kid a birthday party, an extraordinary event. You pull out the stops and you put on this big event. You know, it can be a great, ah, that was wonderful. And it's not so easy loving them every day. The sass comes every day. Uh, Not from Hannah necessarily. I'm sorry if you're out in the lobby or something (laughs) listening in. But the sass comes every day from the kids, doesn't it? Or maybe many days. The conflict comes every day. The emotional ups and downs come every day. The party was easy in a ball, and it's great to do that once a year or so. But isn't love all about the moment in and moment out, day in and day out, of dealing with what God calls us to do to raise kids or to love our spouses or, or those relationships? Now, last week, Ron talked about ordinary passion, which was loving God with everything I've got everywhere I go, this huge call. And this was, this was how we boiled down the greatest commandment given by God, and Ron read, a, read it a little earlier. Someone asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, well, the most important is to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And that's out of Mark 12. And, and, and then Jesus, though, gives a second command following the first one we talked about last week. And it's what we're looking at today. And it's so important that we can call it one of our primary purposes in life. Really, it's that clear. Because Jesus goes on to say the second greatest commandment is, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these So here's the deal. We see two commandments. They say, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment, and he throws this first one out. And then he says, and then there's this other one, and there's nothing greater than these. And Jesus names the two, but we can't truly love God without doing the second part of this command from Jesus. They're, they're, They're intertwined. These two are linked together. They can't exist apart from each other. And 1 John chapter 4, 20 and 21 really spells this out beautifully. And it's kind of an in-your-face one, too. Um, John doesn't mince any words here. It says this. It says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. (laughs) How plain can you be? For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Ought to think about loving his brother might consider, no, 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 it's a must. It's the, these, these are the same things. How do we love God? God says, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How do I do that? By loving your neighbor. Well, can't I do this and not that? No, because when you do this, you do that. You can't do this without this, but you, the, the two are combined. And we see these extreme statements saying, you're a liar, <laughs> if that's what you're saying. Now, I think we can put all this together in a sentence that spells out a sentence 
that spells out the ordinary Christian life, followers of Jesus' lives. And that is the regular everyday life that Jesus calls to calls us to. The ordinary life of following Jesus is simply loving God and loving others and serving our world. And, and those aren't three separate things. It's all kind of one thing. And that's what God calls us to do in ordinary life, in regular, routine, normal, day in and day out, day to day, not drab, boring mediocrity, but I, I get to do this. I get to live this way. The Holy Spirit calls me this, and he empowers me to do this. And oh, it's so simple to say that. Sure, love God, love others, serve our world. Put it on a bumper sticker, done. Easy said, huh? Not so easily done. But there is nothing more important to, in life. Now, so... Last week we talked about loving God. Today I get to speak about loving your neighbor as an ordinary, everyday, regular part of your lives as followers of Jesus. And I've wrestled with this over the last few days, and here's why. This whole topic, I really like it, but raise your hand. How many of you have ever heard that command, love your neighbor as yourself? How many of you have ever heard that? Okay, okay. How many of you have heard that a lot? Raise your hand. Pretty much all our hands go up. How many of you have ever heard a message, a talk, a sermon, or been in a Bible study on that phrase? You've heard somebody speak about that before. Again, most hands are going up. Most of you are going like, I'm not raising my hand because it keeps going up. You know, John, I get your point here. Well, one more chance to raise your hand. How many of you um, feel like you have this handled? You're doing this great. Wait, no. Did you not get the question? Because you've, you've heard it. You've heard it a lot. You've heard messages and sermons on it, Bible studies on it, and you're really rocking and rolling on this. We have a disconnect here because <laughs> Jesus says there's nothing more important than this. This is Christian life. This is loving me, but loving your neighbors. And I'll, I'll say that as, as fancy as I can. But, so we have this in front of us as a, a disconnect, repetitive, beautiful, simple command. And yet we don't do it, at least not regularly as part of our, our as an ordinary part of our lives. So here is my struggle this week. How can I possibly say anything new to help you make that step to actually do what God asks us to do? Somehow I've got to come up with something brilliant, creative. I've got to be new. It's got to be new information. It's got to be really motivating. But I I think maybe we've heard some of those things before. I know I have. Um, I've got to come up with something extraordinary to... Well, wait, this is the ordinary series. <laughs> you know, something here to, that will prompt you to a new level of understanding and obedience. A new level, maybe this is closer, of surrender to the Holy Spirit so that he can bring you to that place of loving your neighbor as a regular part of your life. I'm like, I can't do that, God. It's way more responsible than I can handle. And God says, I don't want you to do that. It's too big for you. It's not too big for me. Let's just start talking and see where this goes. We clearly need God to move in a significant way today to stir our hearts into actions because I think we know a lot. Uh, but today we can start by admitting this. Most of us know this commander. We've heard it. I think maybe most of us believe it's important to God. It says it's so right there. And I think we agree that most of us don't do it very well. I really agree that I don't do it very well. <laughs> um, so wherever you're at. So we either have, is there a lack of understanding? I just don't get it. Or it's a lack of motivation or a lack of power or something. I'm asking lots of questions here. Well, let's wade into this today, the next little section, by asking basic questions about what Jesus says and see where God takes us. Now, hopefully into an ordinary life of, of loving our neighbor. Ordinary meaning not just a mountaintop once a year, but a day in and day out. What does that mean? So this basic question, how do I love my neighbor as myself in an ordinary, sustainable way? I paused as I wrote my talk, and I thought back of, to our Serve Our Community event that we did here earlier this year. How many were involved in that? We went out to a bunch of different schools, a bunch of hands are going up. 
It was amazing. We had hundreds of Twin Cities Church people go out to these prearranged th- places, sometimes more than a day, and do these great work projects. We were truly loving our neighbors. It was awesome. It was worth doing, but we can't do it every weekend throughout the year, can we? <laughs> you wouldn't want to do it every weekend, and we, possi- we, we couldn't. The amount of energy, time, promotion to pull all that together. That was a great mountain-high experience, but the we can't do it every weekend. The ordinary comes when we move from those big events, which are worth doing, they serve as a motivation for loving others, and then we take it into day-to-day life. You know, I went and served in interfaith food ministry. I went to that school, and I did this project with others, and, and I, I could actually see myself getting involved in this school from time to time and, and, and helping out, um, helping in the library or doing some work with the facilities people or, or tutoring after school or so. I could do that one day a week, most weeks. Oh, yeah, that's, that's ordinary loving, triggered by an event like this. Because I don't question our events. I'm a big events guy. That's my problem. I love the big events. It's the day-to-day that I struggle with. <laughs> my wife would tell you that. You know what I mean? Oh, the big things and then the little things kind of there. Well, I want to take a look at a well-known story that Jesus told that talks about loving our neighbor. If you're someone who's read the Bible a lot, been going to church a lot, this is very familiar to you. This might be the first time you've heard it, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a story called The Good Samaritan, usually called The Good Samaritan. And, and uh, so, uh, someone asks Jesus, Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Because he's talking about this very thing about loving your neighbor. Well, who is my neighbor? And he's looking for a chance to justify, I get to choose. You know, and, and so Jesus, Jesus then in Luke 10, starting at verse 30, says this. Jesus replies, answering the question, says, well, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, making a journey, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, the beaten up man, he passed by on the other side. See it? Ain't going to go there. You know, I'm busy, whatever that's going on. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go there. So likewise, a Levite, and you could think of a Levite as being a, just a spiritual man, not like an ordained priest, but a very spiritual man uh, kind of guy, an elder, whatever. He, he, when he came to the place and saw him, he also passed by on the other side. Jesus is getting right to it. But then a Samaritan, as he juried, came to where this man was, injured man was. Samaritan was a, was a half-breed, a cast-off Jew who wouldn't even talk to them, wouldn't touch them, stay away, you are, you are a, you're not even a person to me. And so that's how a Samaritan's been treated. He, it says he comes along and he saw him, just like the others did, and his response was different. It says he had compassion. The Samaritan goes to the Jew who ordinarily wouldn't even allow him to touch him. He went to him and he bound up his wounds and he poured, pouring on oil and wine the Samaritan's oil and wine, his own goods. And, and then he set the Jewish beaten up man on his own animal, which means now he's going to walk, and, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he, the Samaritan, took out two denarii, some money, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, take care of this man, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Crazy story, huh? And then, and then he turns to, the, turns to the man that he's speaking to, Jesus does, and he says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the man, being brilliant, said, well, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Kind of short and sweet, you know. 
And, and, and there we have it. There we have it. The man asks, who is my neighbor? As we might do today if we're saying, love my neighbors. What is that talking about? We live in a digital world. Really, our, our world has shrunk now. Who is my neighbor? Who is Jesus really calling me to love? Our first question might be, and if you're following along on your outline, here's a few fill in the blanks, not tons today. First one would be other believers. Are other believers my neighbor? Absolutely, yes, they are. It really starts here. God calls us to love other followers of Jesus. You know, we're told in the Bible that people of the world will know that we're followers of Jesus by the way we love each other. And so it has to start here with the family, and it's supposed to start here, but it doesn't end here. You know what? Sometimes this is an easy part of the command. It's easy kind of loving the people in your Bible study. You come together and, hey, I brought you a little treat or something, you know, because we love each other. And not always easy, but often. Well, who is my neighbor secondly? Is it people that are easy to love, people around me that are easy to love? This is part of it too. You know, sorry, I can't love you. You're too easy to love. <laughs> no, no we, we love them. This is part of it. And it's very sustainable. It's very ordinary, huh? Because it's easy, right? You're easy to love because you're easy to love. But the Good Samaritan story makes it very clear that our neighbor is more than other believers and other people around us that, that we like that are easy to love. It goes beyond to anyone around me, anyone around me who has needs that I can help with, any and everyone around me that has needs I can help with. And isn't that almost everybody? Honestly, people have needs, people around us, and I can in some way come alongside and help. Not in the big, huge way. This person has a huge financial need. I don't have $10,000 to give. Okay, that would be a nice mountaintop gift. We're not talking about that. Can I meet a need of someone in need around me and love them in a, in a day in or a week in and week out, you know, regular sort of a way that demonstrates love? The answer is yes, it's all of the above. It is fellow believers. It is the people that we like, but it's, it's all people, and that includes people that you really don't like. Darn it. So our neighbors are all around us. Opportunities to love are all around us. But how can I do that? We'd ask the question, how can I love others as myself? And see, this Good Samaritan story, it gives us some ideas that can help us make the idea of loving our neighbors become ordinary behavior in our lives. Um, and as we go through these, well, I, I stopped when you know, I was part of my talk was, hey, cover the Good Samaritan. And I thought, the Good Samaritan sounds like a mountaintop experience. Do you think that Good Samaritan does that every day? Probably not. He's a businessman, perhaps. He's traveling along. He stops, he sees us, he does this. He spends an extra night, spends all extra money and time and care and says, when I come back, and then he takes a few more steps that day and looks for somebody else. No, probably not. That was a pretty extreme thing. So we're going to use the Good Samaritan story as a way to picture ordinary love. Jesus was asked, who's my neighbor? That was his point, to point out, here's someone that actually is, is, would be hated by, by the other, other, you know, the Jews and the Samaritans, in a sense, hated each other here, and yet my neighbor recognized, I need to do something and help. His need is big, so my help's going to be big, because I can. Your need is small, and I can do something about that. I'll do that. I want to cover four things, just four little principles from this that I believe God calls us to do. And I want you to go through, maybe just pick one out that you struggle with more than others because that might be the hang-up so that next time when some guy up front says, how many of you feel like you love your neighbor and your hand can kind of at least kind of creep up going, I'm getting better doing some of that. First of all, I need to purpose to do this. I need to purpose to do this. And, and this is my hang-up. 
right here. I'll just go ahead and say, because it starts with this because it won't come naturally. I speak from personal experience. At least for me, it doesn't. If I wait until I feel like doing this, it will happen only rarely. I choose to do this. I purpose to do this because it's how I love God. It's, it's my choice to be obedient. I can choose to do this. Yeah, I, I really ought to be more loving. I ought to. I'm going to be more loving. Today, this week, I'm going to look to be more loving. I'm going to choose that. I'm going to purpose this. Not because it's easy, not because it's natural, but because this is what I get to do as a follower of Jesus. Because he calls me to this, it's a way that I can love God. So I'm, I'm going to purpose to do that, which I think I've never really done that. I just, you know, this is one of the many things God wants me to do. Uh, I'm going to purpose to do this because it is my purpose here on, in life on earth. It's my choice to be obedient. Second, I need to notice others and their needs. And that's what we see. We, we, all three people that passed by the Samaritan psalm, the priest psalm and said, out of here. <laughs> you know, the Levite, the spiritual dude goes, I'm not going near that guy either. And it's only the Samaritan who saw the same situation. How many people don't even see it? And, and how many of us are so wrapped up into our own world and our own needs, and your needs may be huge. I'm not going to debate that. But sometimes we get so wrapped in ourselves that we don't even see somebody in need around us, you know? I would ask, do I have eyes that see beyond my own needs, even if my needs are very, very real? So it starts with you just got to see, Lord, I'm going to purpose to do this. Now give me eyes. I'm going to pray that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see as I live my life. And, and secondly, obviously, or thirdly then, I purpose it, I see it, then I need to care about them. And again, this may take prayer on your part. And maybe this is a glitch. You go, I see stuff, but I just kind of roll my eyes and go, whatever, you made bad choices. <laughs> the response was that the two spiritual guys, the priest and the Levite, saw and went, I don't care, in a sense. Not enough to do anything. The Samaritan said, I care. He had compassion. So we don't just notice and move on, but move into caring. And then the Holy Spirit needs to help with this, unless you're massively gifted with compassion on your own. We need God to stir us up so much so that this leads into the fourth point, that we do something. And that, that's really the fourth thing, I need to act. Fourth, I need to act. Lord, I need a purpose to do this. God, I, I, I choose to do this. I want to do this. Open my eyes so I can see. Give me a heart that cares. And give me hands and feet that will move to actually meet that need. But I put even if up there because the reality is it's awfully easy to say it. It ain't so easy to do. Even if what? Even if it's inconvenient? Even if it takes time, it will. Even if it means sacrifice. I look at the Samaritan who does all of this, and it costs him time and money and reputation, and, and on and on it goes. And those things were there, and I believe that's what God is calling us. Not necessarily to rescue a man in this situation all the time, but what can I do? And to know that it's going to cost, even if, even if. What's your even if? Well, I do it, but dot, dot, dot. I can't keep my distance and love others. I cannot keep my distance and truly love others. I have to get involved. Well, I'm asking up uh, a woman from our church named Debbie, Debbie Keeney, and she has chosen to get involved uh, into leadership with our singles mom group. And we started this a couple years ago, just uh, me personally massively convicted that there's a group of women out here that need something from the Lord and that they aren't getting and that we, we were missing an opportunity here. And so Debbie is somebody who, and she'll tell you a little bit about it, she's someone who has responded to this and said, I'm going to get involved, even if it costs me. But here's what this is about, and I'd love you to listen to Debbie. Thank you. 
James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And we uh, have a ministry that works with women who don't have husbands and children who don't necessarily have their father in the picture, although some of them do. Um, I want to acknowledge, because uh, somebody talked to me after the last service too, I do want to acknowledge that although this ministry <clears throat> excuse me, is aimed at, at uh, single moms, that in our country there are about 18% of the single households that are led by fathers and uh, that are stepping up and, and taking it all on themselves. So I definitely want to acknowledge that. Um, but we have uh, designated this ministry to work with single moms. And if there are some dads in that position, then let's come talk and let's pray about the opening that up as well. Um, we meet mostly on Wednesday nights. Um, this ministry was actually started over two years ago by some incredible single moms. And uh, uh, I was asked to... Um, to help come in and support it. And my vision for part of this ministry was on Wednesday nights to gather with the women. Um, we meet, and it's not necessarily a Bible study, although we're very biblically based and we look at how the Bible applies to our everyday lives as single moms. But it's really a support and friendship um, as well as talking about relevant issues, sharing with each other, crying with each other, praying with each other, um, helping each other connect to services and find resources in the community, and just being there for each other. We were involved at the R12, uh, which was really exciting, and we spent a lot of time on the forgiveness section. We extended that. Um, we got together for 4th of July, and we do some family things together sometime. And we are also working on Operation Christmas Child together, and we're hoping to have about 12 boxes on our limited income. So that's a pretty exciting, lofty goals. The mothers have also asked that their kids be involved with, with this portion of it, too. So it's really exciting to be able to be together and to teach our kids about giving and caring and um, making a difference as well. Um, one of the struggles that we have as single moms is really navigating through the church. Um, where do we belong as single moms? I found myself um, as a single mom, and I was actually a, a mature Christian and in a Christian marriage. And so to find this is something I never expected to see and felt very, very out of place because I couldn't go to the couple's Bible study that I had been so involved in because I wasn't a couple anymore. Um, the singles, it seemed like the singles were either the 20 and 25 year olds and, and the young, or they were in their 60s and 70s. And so really trying to find, I, I, I found myself really surprised that the one place that I should be, that I thought I would be safe and had always gotten so much support from, I felt like an outsider. It was really hard to navigate where I fit in and I didn't do such a good job. I made a lot of mistakes. Um, so my heart has really been for these moms and being very genuine and very real and supporting each other. Um, I wanted to ask a question. If you're comfortable raising your hand, how many people here were raised by a single parent? That's a lot. And in our country right now, over half of our children are being raised in a single parent family. So it's a big part of our community. We'll make sure we're reaching out to that. Um, so how can you get involved and what do we need as far as support? Um, our big, one of our biggest things is on Wednesdays, um, we actually, in, in order to make sure this is really a ministry and a gift to our moms and so that they can come after work, 
Um, we offer Wednesday nights, we meet from 6 till 7.30, and from 6 to 6.30, we have a meal, and those meals are provided by m many, many women in the church, and it's just amazing, and they're always so good. Um, we also... So we have an, an area there needed where we need people. It can be anybody. We actually have one man that makes really tremendous meals um, that, that can provide those meals, whether it's once a month, once a quarter, just once is fine. Um, that's a big area. Child care is another area. Um, just all, all together, that's a big need for moms. It's very difficult to come as a single mom to any event in the church or anything that's going on if child care is not provided. And so that's a huge obstacle. Um, so we need volunteers to, to work with our children and just play with the kids and show them some, some love outside their, um, their own family. And so that is a big need that we have on Wednesday, and we need volunteers to do that. The other thing that we can use is some donations of chicken nuggets and fruit cups, because you know how kids are. Sometimes they just don't like that meal, and so we always have a backup of nuggets and fruit cups, which is great. So we could use some more donations of that. And then also looking for mentors, and I could, I'm really praying that God will bring um, more than one person to come and walk beside me in this ministry um, on the Wednesday nights. I recently had to have a uh, a surgery or sometimes I'm sick or things come up and so um, really looking for someone that can help support that and be a backup and um, in any way that you can whether you've been a single mom or not if you just have a heart for that that's what really matters we also um, as you know finances are pretty limited very often for single moms and so we have asked for people to uh, when you're signing up for the women's tea if you'll buy an extra ticket after the first service, we have a table of eight that we're sponsoring. After the first service, we had five tickets bought. So I'm really grateful for that. That's an exciting ministry because it's something that, that most of our moms could not be able to afford to come to otherwise. Um, carrying that on beyond the, the women's tea, if there's Bible school, um, other things going on at the church. I know we ha just had the movie day this last week uh, for Veterans Day. Those kinds of things. If you can buy an extra ticket or let me know that you'd be willing to do that, we can put that in, in somebody in touch with that so they can participate in the wonderful things that families can participate in our church family. Um, also, if you ever have outgrown clothes when you clean the closet, let me know. We've usually got, especially school-age kids, we've got a real need there. The other thing that I'm just really asking everybody to do is be aware of our judgments and biases towards single moms. Um, there's a lot of shame anyway that we carry around, a lot of embarrassment when we go into church. We, fa we value families. We value intact families. And sometimes we feel like we're just failing and we're not quite a family. And that's not the truth. There's amazing people that are raised by single uh, parents. I just watched this week with my father the movie Gifted Hands about Dr. Ben Carson. And he was raised by a mother who had only a third grade education. And he grew up to be the worldwide, world-renowned um, uh, pediatrics neuro... I can't ever say it right... Uh, uh, surgeon... And um, just an amazing man, and so um, so it's you're not your kids aren't destined to be failures, and so that's really important. Um, also, including in your family uh, events, invite if you know a single mom is a neighbor or somebody else in the church, invite them to go fishing with your family, invite them to go to picnics. 
offer play dates, sleepovers, things. Give a single mom a day to herself, and that is the best gift that you can offer. <laughs> Just for her to be able to be home alone a few minutes or go to coffee or even go to the grocery store alone. But just showing that ministry of Jesus in their ordinary lives. Um, because that's the biggest challenge. Just the ordinary life of a, of a single parent is pretty overwhelming. Um, we do have some sign-up sheets in the back, at, uh, at the tables in the back. Or um, I believe you will talk about maybe if you just want to sign up on your uh, connection card. But um, this is my heart just really is passionate for, for these women and what they're doing. And this particular ministry takes a lot of support from you guys. I'm not doing it by myself. There's several other women that are really doing a lot of the organization and, and the back behind the scenes stuff. Um, but this is really important work. And again, just the ordinary simple things are the greatest gift that we can give to these moms. Oh, thank you, Debbie. Appreciate it. Um, Debbie's pretty passionate about what she's doing, <laughs> if you couldn't tell. Um, I uh, put the notes aside here, and, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here. I, I asked Debbie for a couple reasons. One is because I want you to know more about our single moms ministry. One is y you may be a single mom yourself, and you know somebody who is and really could benefit from this. This is not oh you poor woman you need this. This is come let us celebrate you and love on you. Um, or you may be someone that says, maybe this love your neighbor means I could babysit once a month for an hour. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> We're usually begging um, and having to pay people to watch these few kids on Wednesday nights. It, it's amazing. And you, you could do that and, and, and really help these moms. And, you know, the reality is we have, um, we're involved in two at-risk youth ministries, and both of them, I'll go ahead and say it. I usually don't like to say need, but there's needs there. Of, of just fixing meals or just being around them, loving on people. Our jail ministry is is at an all-time low in terms of people involved in it, just going into the jails once a week, once a month. Um, what else we got going on? On and on, the, the, the things that are there that we're doing, safe families and mentoring and stuff. And I know that we're all so busy. That's what we do. And Angel's my ministry assistant who, who oversees all of our outreach. And, you know, the people that are doing tons, we ask more of them. And then I know we're all busy. I just know we're all busy. But somewhere here, there's like really one hour a month on a Wednesday night, I'll do it. Well, that's not the point, <laughs> you know. It, is God going to call you to something? And and so, yeah, on your connection card, we referred to that. If you want to grab that, um, we're, we're just going to wrap up here at this point. And I think I just have at the bottom of the outline a chance for you to make a decision and say, maybe I'm going to do something different. It's great to do Operation Christmas Child. It's great to do a big thing. It's great to buy a ticket for a table. It's that one-shot deal that makes us feel great, but we don't miss a step in our regular lives and we go back to our regular thing. And although that's a wonderful thing, don't not do that. God would have us be involved in an ordinary, regular, routine, normal, day-to-day loving our neighbors intentionally because we purpose to do it. It may be at one of these ministries. It may be at a community partner. It may be in your neighborhood, but I believe God is calling us to do better, to do more, so that when we say love your neighbor as yourself, it's not just something that we've heard, but it's something that we're doing on a somewhat of a regular basis when we're trying to do that. Um, my notes talk about the fact that I'm lousy at this and my wife's really good at this. So I'm trying to learn from her. I like doing the big things and move to the next big thing. And she's the, well, just loving kids and loving the people around us. Not is this too hard to do, but how can we do this? And she amazes me with that. 
how can we pull this off? I'm like, I don't think we can. Well, let's talk about it. I think God calls us to that. On the back of your card, you may, you may not know, in fact, on your connection card, if you just say, I'd like to take a shot, what are the opportunities? <laughs> I said, go ahead and give Angel and me a busy week or two of contacting you and throwing some things by it. But honestly, if you're ready to say, I want to be purposeful and intentional, I'd love to find out how, whether it's with single moms or at-risk students or with, you know, whatever that's going on through, it, through the process, um, loving on our kids and our children's ministry, we'd love to plug you in. Uh, because this is our opportunity to love God with our, with our heart, soul, mind, and strength by loving our neighbor as ourselves, and that's the people around us with needs, and it's many, many people. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, and, and uh, Lord, thank you for these people's patience, because in the midst of our passion for what we're talking about and a glorious time together, God, we've gone a little longer than normal, but we're grateful uh, that you speak to our hearts. So I pray right now that you would speak to us, Father, that, that even on that uh, well, it starts with our card, or excuse me, it starts with our heart, Father, to say, I don't want to just see, uh, I want to see the needs, but I want to care enough to do something. And Lord, where is that? I want a purpose for that, Lord. So lead us in your way that we would be a, a believing community that shows the world how much you love us by the way we love each other and the way we love our neighbors, God. In Jesus' name, amen.